0: Okay, welcome to this edition of Skull Sessions, Sports Medicine Concepts Sports Emergency Care Podcast. My name is Mike Sendoma, Program Director at Sports Medicine Concepts and host of Skull Sessions. A special thank you today to Anna and John Spanton, as well as Dr. Doug Kleiner from Spanton Dynamics for joining us on Skull Sessions to discuss the Spanton Dynamics Power Driven Spine Board. So welcome everyone. Uh, We have a little bit of a a unique environment that we're operating in here, uh, because, uh, our skull sessions, which, uh, oftentimes takes place live in our studio here, but sometimes, uh, our, our sessions have taken place virtually as well, but this will be the first time that we are in various locations throughout the country with multiple people on, on skull sessions at one time. So. Uh, it's uh, kind of exciting to see how this goes, but I, I think we ironed out all the kinks beforehand and, and, and we should be good to go. So uh, let, let me begin our, our session today with you, Anna. Um, and just to kind of give you a little bit of uh, how, how you and I first uh, came to know each other. I first learned about the power driven spine border the, the Spanton board uh, back around 2005, uh, when the concept was brought to the market by your father, correct? Uh, it, it, that's right. Uh, and it seems that as quickly as the, uh, Spanton board was introduced, it vanished from the marketplace. And then about two years ago, uh, I was out at the PFATS winter meeting and one of the PFATS members came over and, uh, asked me if I knew about this spine, this, this, um, power-driven spine board that was on the other side of the exhibit hall. And I said, I I kind of knew, I, I kind of do know about that, but this, you know, that was a long time ago. So I had, of course, had to take a walk over uh, and and see that. And that's where I was introduced to you, Anna, for the first time. Uh, and that was the first uh, that I had seen the the power-driven spine board in quite some time. So give us a little historical perspective on uh the introduction of the spine board maybe back uh, around 2005 and its reintroduction uh maybe a year or two years ago
1: yes so you're correct it was my father's you know original concept and i do remember you know as a child growing up he was always working on something new and how exciting it was to be old enough to make him a coffee at his office and then eventually, you know, over summers, I would go in high school and kind of work with him um, in his office. So this was a real exciting project that he was wanting to work on. And I remember him, you know, calling to say, "This is it. This is the. This is amazing. I'm so excited for my family that you know I'm I'm doing this project." And so, like you said, soon enough after that, um, in 2005, he actually was killed in a car accident um, on his way to our home for Christmas. So we had all gathered, and it was quite a traumatic event. Um, and so having to let the dust settle uh, several years to kind of get retain his right to our family patent and whatnot, John and I took the time to you know, go around and travel and, and take the reins and try to keep going with his legacy. So with that being said, we've attended you know, you know, EMS shows and firehouses and helipads and my brother John did some R&D, you know, out in the field, even doing, you know, at hospitals and whatnot. So we've been around doing, doing this for quite some time now, finalizing the designs to be able to go to full production. So, you know, with all the tragedy that's been there, it's also a great blessing and so exciting to, to bring this forward. And he and I have worked really hard on it. We're so excited that it's it's come to this point and it's been so well accepted and adopted and just looking forward to what's going to take place coming up.
0: So you're, was your dad in the medical professions? Was he Was he an athletic trainer? Was he an EMS? Uh, what, what got him on track with a spine board, a, a power-driven spine board? What, or was he just an inventor and he saw the need for this?
1: He was a self-made inventor indeed, but I think that there were two things that came into play for him wanting to produce this. And one is um, my mother was in a tragic car, automobile accident. So it was very difficult for her to be moved in a hospital. And I know it was very agonizing for her to be moved. And so with that being said, I believe that that coinciding the fact that both of my brothers played ball, um, football that they you know he saw a an opportunity to make something different and something better for people that are injured so that they'd be able to be moved safely and quicker and you know less traumatically because it is even if of the broken leg or a broken anything it's it's so painful but anytime that you could alleviate extra movement i think that's where he was on with this idea
0: and so you, you had mentioned uh, when we were talking earlier that in reintroducing uh, the Spanton board to the marketplace, uh, you made the comment that you kind of had to bring the, the Spanton board out of the closet, dust it off. And, and you talked about trying to unravel your dad's ideas and try and figure out where he was going with this product, where he had been uh what his insight was, where he wanted this to go. Tell us a little bit about the the process of trying to figure out what your dad's intentions were and design or developing a concept for moving forward with it.
1: Definitely. I think it was really exciting kind of pulling it out of the closet, like you said, and trying to get it running again. So, um, you know, just kind of with neighbor's helps and whatnot, we, you know, first got the batteries, you know, taken out and replaced and when we actually got it started running again, because it had been years of sitting, um, it was so exciting and my son actually, I have a little video of my son in the in the driveway and how we're just like so excited as he's being loaded onto the board. But I think finding our, our final engineer that we did find, um, he gave the the great quote of, he's standing on the shoulders of giants because what he understood from how far my father had taken it, the concept, the care, the quality that was produced in that spine board, we had a great, you know, um, launch into the next version that we've brought to market. So it was at a phase that was so beautifully done. I think he put it the best. So as John and I went out, you know, to kind of understand where he where had come up with the dimensions and, you know, the angle of the board and the size and, and everything that had to do with it, it was so thought through. So I think, for us, just you know, having to redo some of those um, steps, but then to to step back and go, oh, I'm so humbled that he already you know had kind of successfully made these decisions very purposefully um, as far as the size and the dimensions and and all of those things that were put into place. So it's been you know as as far as how far we've taken it, and where he took it. I feel like now it's a rocket ship ready to go, and um, we're just. I think it's a beautiful new design that we've come up with, with everyone's so, input from the field.
0: So you you literally got this thing out of the closet, and we're like, "All right, let's uh, let's try this. Let's turn it on and see what happens." And it's like, "Oh, okay, the batteries don't work," kind of thing. Let's charge up the batteries and see what this thing does. So, that, I mean, you that's that was literally the process that you started with.
1: That was literally the process. It was after his accident. It was gathering up all the missing pieces, you know, here and there. Um, that he had kind of left behind. And then taking that all together and and kind of moving forward and moving in motion, I feel strongly that John and I both felt that this was a legacy that we had to participate in. And was such a beautiful thing moving forward for the the world, actually, for helping people who are injured um, and helping to create a safer way to do things.
0: So, so John, let me bring you in, uh, into the conversation a little bit, uh, because as uh, Anna has alluded to, you You put a lot of effort into uh, redesigning and, and, and moving the, the product forward a little bit. And I know over the last year and a half, two years, that, that I've gotten to know you a little bit better. Uh, the Spanton board has been at various trade shows, and I know you've made an effort to, to gather feedback from the marketplace. So what kind of information has, have you gathered over the last two years from the marketplace and, and how has that influenced the design changes uh, that, that are represented in the product now versus when your father first had this the first iteration? Sure, Mike,
2: I'd love to share that with you here. Um, you mind if I pull up the, uh, the specs and the dimensions and the board itself here so I can share with you?
0: Oh, that'd be great, yeah, please do.
2: Yeah, thanks Mike, I appreciate that. So uh, over the time of uh, these uh, years, I've spent a lot of time in the field uh, researching and checking out uh, what would better the board from it, from its pre, uh, previous uh, development. So I went out into uh, EMS world, I went to several firehouses, fire chiefs. We, we went, spent a lot of time in going to um, a lot of these conventions and shows and getting input from a lot of trainers, uh, players, Uh, EMS firefighters Um, so when I implemented a lot of these changes I worked alongside our our current engineer so I try to implement these new ideas and uh, as you're looking at the screen here some of the changes that I've made um, is because of that great input I've had out there from several people Uh, Doug included helped me out quite a bit here also in some of the design changes Um, we're looking here at um, the front of the board which is the biggest part uh, that I wanted to make changes on was this design in the front. The previous uh, board was it was very straight and it had the it wasn't as wide in the front of the lip as I call it. So I made it wider here uh, and then I made it so it's curved at the front here so that it doesn't catch on equipment or clothing. So that was a big thing that I noticed out in the field that we needed to change and kind of make it so that it was safe for them to be to be uh, loaded onto the board. Um, the other thing here, um, as you see here, one, one big concern that they had out there was that the, the angle of the lip here, as far as a lot of people were concerned about it uh, going into the mud or snow or um, digging into the ground. So again, uh, the previous version, the lip was just more at an angle. So I had a tendency more or less to want to go towards the ground uh, so i made it so the front there was kind of at an angle here as you can see maybe you can see here a little bit better in this image right down here um alongside that which was important was this front plate i also added this front plate here so that when it's going over the ground if it has the weight pushing down it'll want to slide back up that was very important that we handled that and made sure that we negated that that chance of that happening to the board um, uh, also with that I, I strengthened the board around here as you can see this this is actually um, we used a steel a um, different type of steel around here stainless steel is a lot stronger than the other design which is aluminum so if this were to be dropped by accident we, we try to enhance it the structural integrity of the board so that uh, it won't bend or bow Uh, Or or break if it were to be dropped like other spine boards do so that was one big thing that we really needed to tackle Um, With the dimensions and the size of the board. We were trying to mirror it the new pro sports board uh, Towards what is already currently in the market, which is a pro sports board about 79 to 80 inches by 20 inches in width. So that's about the size of this right here as you can see I'm kind of outlying it here um, then with the bars, um, I did pull them in a little bit from the, the other design that we had, um, and so it's about 24 inches across, which will fit on a typical standard gurney. So you can put down the side rails, this will fit on top, you can strap around it, you can hold it onto the board if you need to keep it on there. So that was important. I would kind of mirror what's already out there in the field for the athletes. something that they that would be used to using. Um, I made it weatherproof, a little more easier to clean. Um, It's able to be sprayed down and cleaned. Um, We also engineered it so that it could work in conditions like snow and rain and mud. And the temperatures uh, we're looking at, but well below zero and above 120 degrees. So we can use it on any surface in the field uh, where these players may end up. So um, so the, the, the big redesign that we had was the ability for it to pull up more weight. So the other design wasn't as strong as this current one for as far as lifting a player or a heavier person onto onto the board. So it's 500 plus. We're exceeding 500 plus uh, above to be able to to be loaded onto the board. Um, Then as you see, what's important here is I added in here these latches. These are different than the other design we had. What's really interesting about these latches here is that with each latch. There's a kind of switch in the latch. So this side right here when the latches are up or any of the latches are up. It impedes the board from being turned on. So that was a nice safety focus. I put in this board that was not with the other board it Was very important. Also in lieu of that with the attachment points you see here. Uh, you can also have other attachment places here so you can use any type of i try to make it universal with latching systems so you can use the velcro some other types uh, spider straps things of that nature i made it so it's more universal so you can just pull what you currently have and use those in this board but uh, that's why i have these latches around the side here for those or you can strap around here if you want around these blocks that you see or you can strap along the rails uh, which is important here Uh, i made so the headpiece here You'd have blocks. You would use the sticky type blocks on this board. So you would have the sticky ones. You have a sticky surface on one side of the block. You would stick one here, and then you would stick one here, uh, and then you can strap across here the helmet or the head across here. Again, you would be loading the feet first, uh, which is recommended. Um, so that would be that would be good. So you can also you know strap across the player or patient that way. Um, what I had other designed was the rear uh rail that you see back here which is you see it's kind of angled down i'm probably going to have it angled down a little bit further the reason being for that is as as sean has assisted us with this uh sean higgins um he explained that when their players ankles are taped and again the thing with keeping a player on the board for a long time we wanted to make sure that they were comfortable and i know with sean explained that when the when your ankles are hanging off the edge of a board they're more relaxed thereby it relaxes the entire back and it's you're at less strain on the body when if you have to be kept on the board for a long time so you can actually have the player or patient be pulled with his ankles off the edge here so it's less stressed on, on the body so that was a nice thing we implemented there um and then at the body here i'm trying to uh see here uh, so at the bottom the, the bottom of the board, one other thing that we wanted to add was a bigger uh, belt at the bottom. Now, we do have other belts that we're considering uh, to put on the board that we may use on different surfaces. Uh, if the NHL are, are interested, which we, we found that they may be interested in one of our boards also, uh, that we have a different belt system that we can put on there for their needs. Uh, so for the, the pro sports, I know there are a lot of more turf fields, turf surfaces, uh, some grass, uh primarily indoors and turf um we have different belt belt uh types that we're, we're utilizing we're testing we'll be using so i made it a little bit bigger so it will have 15 percent more surface area than the previous version so it'll give you more grip and ease of, of having it on the ground and able to catch on the surface of the ground when it's when the player is being loaded onto the board that was very important that i i, I we handled that um, and the other things too, as you can see, the design at the bottom here. This little hole right there uh, that will be where the hand controller goes. So with the hand controller design, it was very important that we we put in safety. Um, so you have a safety latch on it to turn on the bo- or turn it on, a forward, reverse, and a safety, and then a power button. Uh, likewise, um, when when you release the trigger that powers the board, when it's released, you have to press another button to pull that up. So that's the safety. Portion of that, and then when they're loaded, the player is loaded onto the board or patient. Uh, You will unplug it um, from the mechanism, thereby the battery pack and the hand controller all in one outside of the board, so the board can no longer be turned on. Along with that safety that I explained with the latches here that you see, uh, which will be uh, which will be up and used across the player patient. So safety, absolutely number one for me. On making this board and absolutely um, trying to make a structural integrity was very important because then it would probably be roughed around quite a bit so we wanted to make it so it was absolutely strong enough if it were to be dropped now and also people had a concern before what is the weight what is so in the field the boards that they currently use in the NFL I've seen uh, weigh anywhere from 26 to 28 pounds which are the big large ones so this one will be probably about double a little bit more than that weight but as you've seen in the nfl a lot of times you don't have just two people picking up a player so you have quite a few people around this device picking it up so that should not be a problem with that a little bit added weight when you take into account how much less movement you find in ease of loading a player without movement onto our device in comparison to that of when you do typical log rolls or the lift and slide techniques so um, I'm trying to keep it as light as possible um, again with externalizing the batteries helped a lot putting in the hand control externalizing the hand controller and all the, the, the components that go into controlling the motor in the board is external in the hand controller so uh, a lot of thought has gone into this board um, I think it looks great I'm really excited to share uh, the new design. It's Again, like Anna said, it's really much of a rocket ship in comparison to to the old board. Um, but it was just a leapfrogging into these steps. And in the future, uh, hopefully we have uh, better and newer designs. But at the moment, I think I've made it as, as best as I can at the moment, given the information I've gotten uh, being out in the field and interacting with, with everyone over the years. I've really taken to heart. A lot of the design changes and people have, have brought to us to make this a more perfect board.
0: Yeah, I, I would say just from from listening uh, to, to all of those highlights that, that you were providing for us, when we were out last summer uh, with you guys uh, showing and you provided the demonstration uh, for us when we were out with the Rams, um, I, I know the feedback that we collected um, regarding the spine board, the spanton board, a lot of the things that you had mentioned like operating in the mud and snow, uh, the temperature was, uh, its ability to function in extreme temperatures was something that came up on, on the list of concerns that people had, uh, as well as the latch system. Now, um, so it, it sounds like a lot of the things that were being provided during that you know brief interaction that that we had with you it, it seems like you've taken uh taken steps to uh, to address those i'm curious about the latch system uh, tell tell me about the latch system as it relates to safety you had mentioned that i, I don't understand uh, w- when the latch system is up the board will not function i don't understand explain that to me a little bit a little sure bit. i appreciate that mike so yeah. what
2: we're looking at here uh, one of my big concerns uh, was safety so that the board once a player is uh, is on the board that it, it, it is impossible for the board to be moved at all once a, per, a player or patient is strapped down on the board so with the latch system here um each one has um has a little switch mechanism on this side of the board so once if any of these latches in this series are up the signal can't go through so that means that the board can't move and function so once it's plugged in the signal can go through and the motor is able to function and turn on. But, but when these latches are up and you strap a player down using these, these, uh, latches here, uh, it negates the, the ability for the board to move in the un- unlikely event that they keep the, the, the hand controller plugged in. Um, so it's important that through protocols and training that, that these, uh, The athletic trainers are able or the EMS understand that it's you need to plug unplug the power source to the board if they happen to forget and leave it in a safety mechanism number three that these latches will be used that means it negates any possibility of the signal the electricity go into the board or to turn on the motor so that's that was another safety mechanism I needed to put into the board so definitely that was a key in my in my mind's eye to make sure that we we tackled that the best we could
0: and and those latches are where the immobilization device or straps actually are secured they they go through those those uh, those latches
2: yes that's correct yeah. you can you can do that yes yeah. so if you have a larger person though you can you you know you can always uh, Attach outside those, right. but again, that's just a safety mechanism I implemented um, to make it a safer product.
0: Understood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so on on an earlier uh, session of uh, edition of skull sessions, we had uh, Dr. Eric Schwartz on the set, uh, and during our time together, we were discussing uh, reducing head trauma through behavior modification, not necessarily. Uh, relevant to the topic we're, we're discussing here, but s- except to say that some of Dr. Swartz's earlier work included preliminary research on the first iteration of the Spanton Board. Uh, and this, uh, this uh, actual reference is provided in the descriptions for anyone that wants to go back and take a look. Um, and in this earlier study, uh, Dr. Schwartz uh, and his colleagues reported uh, less movement at the head then did a log roll in two planes of motion, and it created slightly more motion in one plane, although they make a point to, uh, a point to note that the, the change was, statistically, was not statistically significant. Uh, the study also reported that the Spanton Board may provide emergency responders with an appropriate alternative method for stabilizing and transporting a supine injured athlete without using a log roll. So um, my, my question is, that was with your first iteration back in 2005. Uh, it's been some time now, and now you have this new uh, version of, of the Spanton Board. Is there any research that's in the pipeline uh, that, that's taking a look at the functionality of, of the Spanton Board, the new Spanton Board? And I open that up to anyone, uh, Anna, John, or we can even bring uh, Dr. Klein or Doug in at this time.
3: I think the uh, the Spanton board, as it's been evolving, has been tested fairly extensively. And I, I th- think we're, what we're really doing is looking for the final version now and then do the, the testing on that one. So this was getting us to this point, And once we have the final version, the one that's going to market, uh, I think there'll be significantly more testing in the future.
0: And it, Anna, you had mentioned uh, the cadaver studies and, and, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Is that in the plans or is that, ha- that's research that's been done in the past? Or is that something we can look forward to relative to research being conducted on, on the latest, greatest model?
1: Yes, sir. Just like Dr. Kleiner shared, that will be coming down the pipeline.
0: Yeah. So, uh, that brings up to brings us up, uh, Doug, Dr. Kleiner, I, I want to bring you in a little bit more on the, in, on the conversation then. Uh, You and I have worked together over uh, on multiple projects over the years. Uh, So tell us a little bit about how you came to be involved with Spanton Dynamics. Uh,
3: You you know, it's been so long that it's a a little vague for me, (laughs) but uh, somehow, and and we haven't figured this out yet, um, Mr. Spanton contacted me and asked, I guess at that point we were in the task force, uh, you and I, and have been doing some research together. And um, Mr. Spanton got a hold of me, and I, I can't remember exactly who it was if it went through Pepper first or or who it was, but uh, ended up making contact, and I had the pleasure of meeting him and one of his associates, and it just blew me away. The concept of it was was incredible, and then uh, through the years, all the evolutions of the board the changes, the modifications, the the tweaking of it, I think they're at a great point with it. And, you know, the goal here is to produce as least amount of movement as possible during these transfers. And I firmly believe that that is the Spanton board.
0: So what, what was, what is your role specifically with Spanton Dynamics?
3: Uh, currently I think I'm a consultant with them and uh, when they, discuss research, I think I'd get a a, a vote in that somewhere as to what, what direction we want to take and when we want to take it. Mm
0: -hmm. So let's, let's talk a little bit then about uh, the research and specifically, here, here's what I can see some people saying, Uh, right, right now, the current literature, right, or the the climate uh, regarding immobilization of a potentially spine injured athlete is generally speaking moving away from spinal immobilization Uh, and you see ems agencies all over the country moving away from spinal immobilization and moving more into spinal motion restriction now we can we can debate uh the pluses and negatives we can debate that all day long that's not really uh our intent but where does the spanton board fit into that debate of spinal motion restriction versus spinal immobilization when you're reintroducing uh, the spanton board at a time when it seems like EMS agencies are taking spine, taking long spine boards right out of the rig altogether and not even bringing those to the scene?
3: I appreciate the question. I think that as new recommendations come out, people tend to, to flock to them. I'm not sure that that was presented as well as it could have been. My, my personal opinion is that someone who you're suspected of having a spine injury uh, needs the highest level care for that. I do accept the premise that a little old lady in a five five mile an hour motor vehicle crash uh, who complains of back pain might not do well on a spine board for three minutes. So I think there are pluses and minuses on that. When this came out, I think a lot of people misinterpreted it and said, we're not going to do any uh, spine boarding anymore. And I think that is not the case for a spine injured athlete, uh, particularly an equipment laden athlete of their sizes. So I think there are, um, I think we've got to kind of make that distinction.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. I, th- I think a lot of times when we talk about spinal motion, uh, the, the negative consequences of spinal immobilization tend to be when we have a mobilization for long periods of time, or when we have uh, predisposing medical conditions, right? Such, such as your little old lady uh, on, on the spine board. She's not gonna tolerate that very much. But when you start looking at athletics, especially uh, professional athletics or you know major college, where you have evacuation kind of pretty much laid out and planned out, we're really not gonna have that equipment-laden athlete on that spine board for very long. Uh, you know I, I would argue without any legitimate research to back me up that for uh, an athlete in the NFL isn't going to be on that spine board for much longer than 20 to 30 minutes tops and I would I would argue that that's probably going to be a long time. So yeah I, I would agree I think I think that that is an area that probably should be explained a, a little bit more. Uh, you know, One of the other other things that that we talk about is using a long spine board, a traditional long spine board, more as a transfer device. And again, going off of the current trend is that we use the long spine board as a transfer device. Uh, And we use that to transfer someone from the field to the EMS gurney. And there are some protocols that suggest once they are on that EMS gurney that we should take them off of the long spine board and leave them just on the gurney. Uh, and one of the, uh, I, again, going back to our argument with athletics, I'm not sure that really holds true. Um, do we really want to take the time and produce the movement that would be associated with getting, uh, getting an athlete off of that long spine board when they're only going to be on that for another 15 minutes tops anyway? Uh, do we really want to do that? But if we generalize that concept anyway, to the general population, one of the things I thought was really interesting was to see how easy it was to get somebody off of the spanton board when we were playing around with it last summer and how easily once we once we did use it as a transfer device and we got them onto the onto the EMS gurney and we loaded them into the back of the ambulance it was telling how easy all we did was hit the reverse button and that thing crawled right out from under the athlete that we had on that gurney and left them right on there so um, you know a, a generalize a little bit, because obviously we're talking sports in general, but generalize a little bit about how the Spanton board is is valuable outside of uh, the athletic environment.
3: I agree with you with everything you said. That's a, that's a great point to make. Athletics is different than the general population, and I, I'm not sure um, to what extent this will reach EMS and and be adopted. Uh, I think that the the end goal of this is any suspected spine injury should have the most amount of immobilization possible. Uh, If you really suspect a spine injury, and I don't mean by protocol with it, but by physical examination, patient complaints, if you think that there is something going on there, we want the least amount of movement possible. And the spanton board, I believe, is the, uh, produces the least amount of, of movement. And like you said, the, using it even as a transfer technique is outstanding. And, and that's one of the things I really, really like about it. I think that the, the offloading is more impressive than the onloading mm-hmm. part of that. And I can see that professional athletes staying on the board through their transport through EMS, and then VIP services, of course, right into the, the CT scanner or whatever they're using and just hitting reverse there and taking the board, drop them right there in the CT scanner or right on the, the surgeon's table or wherever they're needed. Uh, when it's time to get them off of a board, I think there's nothing better. Uh,
0: that Just in listening to you, to you talk about that, it brings up, uh, the, I remember hearing a couple of comments regarding the amount of time that it takes to load someone onto the, onto the spanton board, and whether we have that time. Now you spoke of, if you truly suspect that an, uh, an athlete has suffered a cervical spine injury, that it's the movement that is most important. So uh, now, obviously, this wouldn't be the case if it was an unstable athlete, right? And if if it was an unstable athlete who was hemodynamically unstable, was presenting with cardiac complications or airway breathing complications, that's a different story. We're, We're talking about a relatively stable athlete who you suspect has a cervical spine injury. That additional time relative to the movement becomes a very important question. So here, you know, one could argue that the additional time it takes for the spanton board to load somebody uh, is is of particular relevance. And then on the other end, when they're in the emergency room, uh, the amount, if, if you think about an equipment-laden athlete strapped to a long spine board, and now they're in the, in the emergency room, and now we have to get them off that spine board. There's only two ways to do that. We can lift and slide the board out from under them. Uh, one approach Uh, the other approach is to physically log roll them off of the spine board versus just letting this thing crawl out from under them take a little bit of extra time so so tell me about your thoughts on the time versus movement which is always an argument for any protocol that we talk about in spine injury it's always the discussion always centers around time versus movement to to decide whether something is an effective strategy or not so tell me a little bit about time versus movement relative uh, to the functionality of the Spanton board.
3: Great point with that, Mike. I, I think the, um, I might be biased with this. It's, I don't know that there's research on it. If there is, I can't pull it out right now. But uh, from my experiences, and that includes, you know, writing EMS, working in a level one trauma center. And. Uh, in a hospital and, and all those things where people are constantly in and out and doing this, I kind of have the feeling that if someone's going to have a cardiac event or or a respiratory event, I think it's going to happen on the field. I don't really see that happening five minutes later. Now, it could, but I think that type of, of injury is going to present itself earlier. So. I think if they are stable, let's take the time. If this is really a let's not make things worse by moving them around and having excess movement. They're hemodynamically stable, so let's let's concentrate on no movement for their spine and package them appropriately. I think, you know, once something does happen to them and and it could happen in the back of an ambulance, I guess, it could happen in the trauma center, but I really think that kind of event will Will occur uh, on the field, and when that occurs, then all bets are off on motion. So, uh, someone who's who's crashing certainly needs uh, cardiovascular resuscitation, and and uh, with considering that that could be a possible spine injury, but there there's little point to uh, keeping somebody immobilized while they while they're having a cardiac event.
0: Yeah. So, l- let's wrap. Let's try and wrap all this up and put a put a pretty bow on it. I, I know um, I know there are a number of NFL programs that have asked us specifically about what we think of the Spanton Board, uh, what our thoughts are on it, uh, and I know a, a lot of uh, organizations have expressed interest in it. So, if if you're addressing one of these uh, club medical teams, and they're on the fence about whether this is this is something that to move forward. But then I throw this question out to all three of you, not, not just to Doug. If we're on the fence about this, what is the Spanton board going to offer us as, as a professional team uh, relative to a spine board, relative to our traditional wooden spine board that we've had on the sideline for the last, I don't know, 50 years. Uh, what, what is the motorized spine board or what is the Spanton board? Uh, what is it offering us?
3: Well, I'll I'll jump in first, and then let them follow on that. Uh, I think it's been proven, and will be again many times over, that it produces the least amount of movement, and what we during transfer, during other events like that. The uh, that's the ultimate goal with with this. If a spine injury, you know, the ultimate goal on on uh, a cardiovascular event is resuscitation. All bets are off. We're doing CPR. That's what's happening. If we have to do, if we can't get an airway, then we're going to, you know, airways are kind of easy these days. But in the old days, if you had manipulate the head a little bit, you had manipulate the head a little bit. It's airway was was, paramount in that kind of event. For someone who's hemodynamically stable, but is experiencing paralysis or or other signs and symptoms that uh, make you suspect that there's a spine injury, then you've got time on your side, and then our enemy is motion, and we want the least amount of motion, period, in, in whatever
0: How about then, I generalize this, I take it out of professional sports, uh, one of my colleagues and one of our uh lead instructors, Daryl Conway, likes to say that the NFL and major division one programs operate in Disney World. That's one of his favorite sayings and I've taken to that because if you think about it, you know, if, if there is a, if there is a product that can reduce, uh, motion, uh, it, it's, and it's seen as a valuable asset in that capacity, I, I don't want to say that, uh, Cost is not an issue, but cost is less of an issue than a local EMS agency that would have to purchase such a product, or a like lo- a local high school that certainly uh, would wouldn't be able to incorporate something like this. Um, so if we if we were to generalize this to the how how do we get the the functionality of the motorized spine board to the population at large, and let's, let's not even go the population at large. Let's let's go to how do we get the benefits of the motorized spine board to the high school athlete, right? Because uh, again, uh, I've I've made the comment: if you're going to suffer a cervical spine injury, do it in the NFL. Have it happen. Have it happen in the NFL. Um, and that's not really fair because in a lot of cases, the care that a spine injured athlete would need to have a, a better effect on outcome. there's really not that much that's tricky to it that you know a lot of those same principles can be carried out in the high school venue um so how do how do we get the benefits of the motorized spine board to the the local high school athlete and we get that decreased motion we have a little extra time how do we take the time and get a get the benefit of that to a local high school
1: so i can i can talk to this because i'm trying to get this or getting this to its final phase of market So just to touch base on your last point, it takes 35 seconds to actually load someone on our spanton board, which if you look at our, we do have a video that we we did with an EMS crew and they took both phases through the spanton board and the traditional um, log roll method. You'll see that the log roll method is quite time consuming compared to ours. So I don't think in every instance it's going to be a longer load, in my opinion, of what we've experienced out in the field. Um. So just to correct on, the, on that aspect of it. But secondly, getting it into the hands of, you know, obviously, if this is the best care out there, you would want it everywhere. So we are anticipating getting into the EMS market. We're getting into the military, the Olympic committees, um, even into bariatrics and geriatrics for broken hips for old people. So I think the adaptations that this can reach are far further reaching than just the NFL. Um, but as you, you know, might have seen, a home computer how impossible that was to first you know have in your home and how expensive it was obviously as we grow and we hit the numbers that we anticipate the prices will come down i think in our our patent also john and i worked really hard on um you know next versions that will be going to market and getting to market with the first closest thing to where we could get to um jumping off of my father's springboarding off of my father's design so as we continue years down the road, you will see adaptations to make this lighter, to make this stronger, to make this, you know, um, more affordable and whatnot in, in many different versions going forward. So I think that that is our goal is to be able to reach, you know, even the farthest reaching, even with lease options or even saying maybe the NFL used theirs for a couple of years. Now they want the new design gosh, we can buy that back and we can give it down or donate to the high schools where they can, we've had this conversation many times at um, events also. So, you know, maybe a a county goes and they pitch in, you know, together on one so that they have it in the county for for their local football games and stuff. So we have looked heavily into being able to get this into the mass hands of, of where it needs to go. Because again, as as you see, with anything that comes to market, it's really wanting it to be the best it can be, last the longest it can last, and get it to everyone that needs it. So it is our it is our anticipation that we would be able to get in the hands of also you know the high school athletics that is a desire of ours.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that you've given that some thought because I you know that's that's one of the uh, stick and I, I don't want to say a sticking point, but one of the things that always uh, that I always consider is you know, how, how, do we, how do we get the same level of care to the high school athlete as we do the, the professional athlete, right? And I, I think that's really important. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, um, that you've given that some consideration and, and have plans for uh, having that accessible to all levels of, of, of athletics. And I, I thought it was really interesting that, uh, Anna, that you mentioned the log roll Seems to take as much time as a. Th- did you say a thirty-five second load time on the on the on your Spanton board?
1: Correct. So if you look at one of our, uh, Doug was there for this filming also, and so was John. But we took them through, um, and I'll send the link to you so you can attach them to this. But there's a very specific um, testing that they did with the EMS crew that show, you know, our comparison and time it and I did time it, it was 35 seconds compared to the log roll. And you see also within the log roll, so much movement, as far as first you log roll them, then you have to shimmy them down, then you have to shimmy them back. I mean, so there's so much, you know, transitioning and movement and whatnot. So you'll have in that, you know, some of the feedback from the EMS personnel also of how they thought it was just an easier way to use it, that they didn't feel as jostled when they were moved onto the board. So. You have a lot of input, I think, if you know what it feels like to be lateral and to be moved on the spine board. Because I know from, the, from you know, demoing all day long, you know, you have a two or three day show and I'm up and down on the floor all day long. And, and it really is. You really barely feel anything, any kind of movement. So be able to do that all day long compared to think of how you're moved, um, you know, traditionally. So with that being said, I think it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing to see come to market.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's an important, I, That that's really important because I, you know, I suspect people would, would uh, at the outset anyway, think, wow, that just takes too much time because, it, it, and I'm not saying this is correct I, I, or, or the right uh, philosophical approach, but a lot of times everything is fast. You know, we have to evacuate them fast. We have to get them out of this, we have to get them out of the chaotic environment and into a controlled environment. And we have to do that fast. Uh, and to to uh, Doug's point earlier, if you have a basically a hemodynamically stable athlete, fast isn't really the most important part anymore. It's movement, you know. And so to that point, if you can even demonstrate, even if you do have to move a little bit more quickly, uh, there's no difference, or you know, there, there's not a statistical significance between 35 seconds. Uh, to load onto the the spanton board versus a log roll, I, I you know, th- I think that's a really important point that you made. Uh, and and then you know, to kind of wrap things up, the the fact that you know I, I understand the uh, research and development, the R and D process. I, I understand that just from our own R and D that we've done here relative to the FM extractor. So I I. I feel your pain as far as th- that goes. And ha- understanding that, knowing that one of the first, at least one of the first production models that comes off your your line is earmarked for us. I appreciate that very much. So um, I very much look forward to getting that, uh, that new uh, spanton board in so that we can complete our RPSH. Uh, for for you guys on that, and I very much look forward to having our staff go through that. So it's it's very much appreciated that you would think enough of us uh, to earmark one of those one of those first off the production line units for for us to test out. I appreciate that, and hopefully you guys will be able to make it here to our new facility for uh, for that testing process. I would look forward to that. Yeah. So. So where, where do you see the Spanton board going uh, from here? What What is it that you're hoping, uh, hoping happens in the relatively near future?
1: Well, I guess I could speak to that too. Yeah. Um, so we are in the final phase of development. So we have everything finalized for engineering. We're going into building the new boards, obviously, like the whole world, we've kind of been um, backtracked a little bit with COVID hitting. So All of the financials and whatnot moving forward with our manufacturing have have kind of been delayed, but we don't expect much of a delay. Now I think we've um, partnered with a United States manufacturer here in the Midwest. And setting up our warehouse and preparing to, you know, get a batch of boards in to get them into the hands of Mike also you and the NFL teams, you know, this to cycle through and train each of them. We're looking forward to partnerships and and uh, moving forward with those so And then you know branching out to the other sectors that we do anticipate getting so it won't be very much longer until you see the new version and the and the real go-to-market manufactured um, product
0: oh we certainly look forward to that for sure uh i all right so anna you're in iowa uh john you're in california doug you're in florida and i am in new york so the fact that we somehow managed to pull this off uh is is, is a testament to technology and a testament to how lucky we are today. <laughs> so uh, I, I thank you very much for your time and for your willingness to, to come on to Skull Sessions and spend some time with us on, on our podcast. And, and again, I, I look forward to the opportunity to work with all of you in the, in the very near future. Thank you for your time. Thank you, thank you Mike, so very much.